JADPOD 2020. We already put it out an episode for this year, Charlie, but we recorded that before Christmas, so this is officially the first episode we've recorded in this new year. And, and frankly, I personally, I love the future. I'm pretty excited by my flying car and my hoverboard. My hoverboard. It's great. They're still making Fast and Furious films. Life's incredible. Yeah, we're life's, into triple digits now. Life's, in, uh, life's incredible. It is the summer in Sydney. If you're listening to this in five years, this is the summer of 1920. 2020. Uh, sorry, yeah. Tw- no, 19 slash 20. Oh, right, yeah. Like we used to say, season 92, 93 uh, for yes. the cricket. Yes. This is season 1920. So you know what happened this summer and you know what we did next, but right now we're in the middle of it and... Um, We've had experiences here uh, in this very house. We're in a new house right now with Charlie and um, we've had, had days where we just had to keep the baby by the air purifier. Mm. The baby couldn't. It was like, this is, you have to stay here all day, everybody. Mm. This is where we are. And we're 80 kilometres from the fire here. I can't even begin to fathom how full on it would be to... I'm sure Iona's had meltdowns and Wolf's had meltdowns. When well, we've were... essentially been on the on the road for the last three weeks avoiding the fires yeah. because we had those, the first couple of days of really thick smoke in Sydney. We yeah. couldn't leave the house. And it's like, this can't be, this is not good for like a, a baby. And so we just jumped on a plane and, and flew as far away as we could. And then I think yeah. we had a little break over Christmas and we we're trying to schedule when to come back. And I say to you, well, I'll come back <laughs> when the air is breathable again. Mm, so might that's be a, the, Might be a while. Yeah. <laughs> But all I could think of was that, you know, there's people and you see it, you see photos of people stranded on a beach or stranded stranded in a shelter. Uh, As a listener to my other podcast, Mm. sent me a photo of him and his family in a shelter the other day and not having a nappy to change the baby into, not having a fridge, not having food, not having wife stress so can't produce milk, you know, and there's a fucking inferno coming towards you and you're waiting for a Navy ship to get you off land. Fuck no. That was the bit that got me to reading about when the food bank was sort of saying stuff that you could deliver, the stuff that is really of high value at the moment. And when they talked about things like baby food and nappies, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, of course. Like if you've just been evacuated from your house, you don't have anything. And that's stuff that sort of we're taking completely for granted. Five times a day. Oh, my God. I reach for one out of a packet, boom, on it goes. And to be stuck on a beach with a hungry baby and constantly moving and, you know, the wail of that baby Mm. straight to your heart. And, you know, the feeling that you can't protect this child is just over-fucking-whelming. And the amount of trauma I'm sure that people are experiencing and now I'll have to live with. All I can say is that no country on earth should accept this as okay. No country on earth should accept this as okay. And it is easy to feel powerless in times like this. It's probably a good time to mention, Osh, that uh, the other podcast I do with Will Anderson, TOEFL, we're actually running a bushfire appeal yes. on GoFundMe. We're up to just over 80000 at the moment, which is great. Our initial target was five grand. We thought yeah. we'd start low and see if we can exceed expectations. Everyone has been amazing. Yeah. Um, look, I know there's a lot of bushfire appeals on at the moment, and, and by no means is this the only one. Um, mm. But if you are a fan of, of DadPod or maybe any of the other pods I do, yeah. the ones I do with Will, all we're saying is if you like what we do, maybe donate a dollar because we worked out if everyone who listened to our show has donated a dollar, then we'd actually smash our target goal now. So if I can direct you to tofop.com, there's a link there that'll take yeah. you to our GoFundMe and uh, just let us know. Let us know if you listen to Dad Pod in the comments when you, when you put some money in. That'd be great. It's been a big exercise in mindfulness for me because as you know, I have a, you know, me and climate change have a history <laughs> uh, and the line that I've, I like to use, and I've, you know, I talk about it when I'm live and I do speaking gigs, is that I can't change the world, but I can change a nappy. Yeah. And it really is all I can do. And I'm kind of grateful that I have. It's like, well, I can't do anything about that. Mm. I cannot. I can donate to the RFS. I can't hire another 737 water bomber. All right. 
I can't airdrop truckloads of food into some community that's been cut off. I can't. I, I physically can't do it. I can't show up at a fire front. I'll just get in the way. You know who can, though? Tom Cruise. Tom fucking Cruise, kid. <laughs> he can fly planes. He really could. He could do it. Why don't, we, why don't I doing a podcast with Tom Cruise? Fucking I'm missing an opportunity here. If Tom, Tom Cruise, if Tom Cruise isn't behind the wheel of a 737, you know who would be really fucking good? You know it would be my dream come true? If Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer of Iron Maiden, <laughs> who's a qualified airline pilot yeah. and flies okay. for, for airlines. Bruce Dickinson, John Travolta, Tom Cruise, Har- well, not Harrison Ford because he didn't he crash a plane. <laughs> but no, so the big three. The, the big, big three. three. Bruce, Tom and John Travolta. And Travolta. Behind the wheels of water bombing 737s, low enough because their altitude, that comes super low. You saw the footage. Yeah. They're like 1,500 feet. You can see the whites of their eyes. So they're live streaming the water, the runs. As they do the water run runs, they just drop one liners yeah. from 80s movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Bruce Dickinson just hits a high note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vanquish my foes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what the firefighters need metal. Fuck yeah, the power of metal. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson coming from above <laughs> in the with Eddie on the tailplane, just like <laughs> coming down. Um, but I can't do that. But I can, you know, I can only focus on what I can control. And what I can control is this baby's hungry. This baby's tired. This baby needs change. This baby needs a cuddle. This baby needs a play. And it may seem futile. It may people accuse me of putting my head up my ass and pretending it doesn't exist. It's not true. Mm. I've done what I can do in my power. And now I need to take care of this little child. Well, it's about taking care of one another. Yeah. And I think actually if you are going to look at the good things that are coming out of this crisis is the community spirit. And I think Australians genuinely, and not just Australians, internationally the response has been pretty amazing as well. But it is starting small, looking after your own family, looking after your friends, and then spreading Mm. that out as far as you can go. And that's precisely the path. How have things been with you and Iona? You're on the road, so obviously travelling a lot. Yeah, it's been interesting because I think the last time we spoke, you had just done your first kind of big travel and you mm. had gave us a bit of gold, a bit of gold that since has been reiterated by everyone we spoke to, which is about uh, feeding on the way up and the way down to deal with the uh, ear equalisation. On so, the plane. On the plane, yeah. yeah. So getting the baby on the boob on the way up and on the way down so the swallowing helps equalise your ears. Yeah. So we did that but we didn't get our timing right. Oh. We, we, by the end of our trip, we got it right because as soon as we started moving, we, we put her on the boob, but then the taxi was so long <sighs> that by the time we were actually getting to altitude, we are like, come on, baby, <laughs> like, keep drinking, keep yeah. drinking. Because sometimes you have a long taxi, sometimes you have a short taxi. So what we've worked out is pretty much as you're on takeoff, that's when you whack them on the boob. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was great. And she's a good traveler. That's yeah. the, the really pleasing thing is that, you know, getting to the airport early, my God, I've turned into a beast of burden because I am now carrying, we take the baby seat with yeah. us, we take the two suitcases, we take the travel cot, everything. Yeah. And so Jem takes the baby and she gets all the plaudits and the, uh, the praise as she's walking through. And then meanwhile, I'm lumbering like Hagrid yeah. at the back. <laughs> just You're push. the Sherpa. Yeah, but exactly. Got a big trot. And can we just say... Uh, airport ripoffs uh, far and wide, but the airport trolley ripoff is got to be the greatest scam. It's such a racket. It's Four a fucking bucks. racket. It's a racket every time, especially yeah. at Sydney Airport when the taxi rank is literally two feet from the baggage carousel, but you still need the trolley. You got to pay four bucks to wheel it twenty feet. Yeah, it's more expensive to hire than a Lamborghini <laughs> if you figure out how much money you pay per minute of using it. It's utterly, utterly a bena- ripoff. An utterly absolute ripoff. Complete but- bananas. Must be the Christmas spirit. There's quite a few people uh, when we're in the, the various airports would give us trolleys. Hey, I'm done with this. Take this trolley. Which right. I thought that's good. Community spirit again at work. When we were we travelled up and back to Bribey Island, God's waiting room up there in Queensland, <laughs> and uh, we had the teenagers with us. And uh, I was like, okay, so go to the outbound taxi rank. Just go pick one up. 
Yeah. And so <laughs> you got that we'll Get it, yeah. Get it in the lift, bring it up here. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of that. Especially in Brisbane Airport, there was definitely – it's harder to do in Sydney, Brisbane Airport. It's, it's pretty easy. You went and visited family. Was it Iona's introduction? Yeah, so the first part of the trip was just to get away from the smoke and just have a bit of an early holiday, like a pre-crowd, pre-Christmas holiday, which is great. Got to stay with friends up in Byron Bay. And Iona, the difference between her sleeping and her just general demeanour once we were out of the city – was like night and day. She slept, she was sleeping for up to like six hours at a time. What? Just, and so chilled out. Like Byron has that kind of vibe to it uh-huh. anyway, but we was we weren't in the busy part of town. We're sort of on the outside of Byron, but just the sound of nature, the you could hear the ocean, all that kind of stuff. It really made us go, oh man, like I love where we live, but we live right in the heart of everything. And you it's, do. You know, and the things that you loved about your place when you didn't have a baby. <laughs> You know, restaurants, cafes, uh, excitement, everything yeah. is happening, happening. When you're a parent, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. shit is driving me mental. So that was one thing. It was like, oh, I see why the suburbs exist. I see why people yeah. like to go move to quiet places. Yeah, there's, there's no secret. We live in one of the quietest streets in our suburbs. Yeah. We lived in a cul-de-sac. Now, we, now we've moved to this kind of like little- And did you notice a difference? Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once we got here, like how much- Even we lived in a cul-de-sac, but we didn't live in an apartment building, and now we live in a in a semi, and it's- uh, it's not quiet. Oh, dude. I mean, it's, it's very quiet. I mean, I think last time we did it at your old place, there was like construction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's construction that. right there at that window, but oh, yeah. they're on summer break right now, so we can have this conversation today, which is pretty good. How was it visiting, being with family? Was it all right? Well, that was good. So I've got a lot, I've got a big family, so they're all spread out all over Australia. So we had some come to Sydney from WA and then the Sydney family, obviously. So we did that Christmas catch up. So we came back from Byron, did the Sydney, and then we went down to Melbourne to sort of tick off the rest. And yep. so it's very intimidating for Iona. She's meeting a lot of people who just want yeah. to like cuddle her and kiss her and take yeah. her photo and stuff. But she's a very chill baby. I'm really, I'm really delighted with how she is developing. She's just adaptable. I mean, that's kind of what we wanted. Jim and I travel a lot for work and, you know, we, we have kind of unpredictable work schedules and we're like, we need this baby to be flexible. And she's adapting to that really well. Like, different bed, you know, a few nights in a row, a lot of travel, a lot of strangers, and she could be handed it around and, you know, people would take her out for a few hours or whatever and it was all it was all really good. In fact, we actually experimented with having a babysitter for the first time, I guess, which was hilarious because my sister, who just was desperate, desperate, desperate to meet her, volunteered early on in our trip to say, look, if you guys want a break or you need a few hours off, I just would love to come around and spend some time with my niece. And so we had organised a writing workshop um, with some people down in Melbourne. And so we're like, well, this is a perfect opportunity and it's not too scary yeah, because we'll be in the same house. It's just that, you know, the baby will be at one end with my sister and we'll be in the other end. Just, just for people who don't know from not outside industry a writing workshop isn't that here's how to form a paragraph it's it's getting a bunch of (laughs) brainstorming session getting a bunch of people in a room together to punch a story up or or flesh a story out or or, or explore possibilities that you might not have seen and and that's why when you see your favorite tv show when it says written by and it has co-written and there's 12 people's (laughs) names on the page that's why so so you're you're working on something you and yeah yeah we were running a a bit of a workshop with some writers and some producers and so we just needed to have some good unbroken time which we haven't had since the baby's been born but the morning of we woke up and Gemma was like I don't think I can do it She's like, I just, I think maybe you should cancel your sister. And I'm like, hey, babe, I said, firstly, we've got to try this sometime. And secondly, like, it could not be a more gentle transition. It's a family member, going to be in the same house. And you can always go back and check at any time. And so, and I was the one being like Mr. Rational. But then when it came time to hand her over, I did feel that pang of, 
oh, this is weird because she has been like glued to our side. It's always one or other of us yeah. with her. And so it was a big place where we were staying and, you know, she was a fair distance away, but she was still like you'd walk down the house to see her. But it was great. My sister ended up taking her out for a few hours, we took her out for lunch. Her and my niece took her out and it was really good. By the time she came back, I think Gemma and I both kind of like, Okay, that wasn't so scary. I mean, yeah. again, you need to be able to vet the person they're going yeah. with. And my sister has a daughter, so there was a lot yeah. of confidence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was one of those things that we're going to have to get used to because, like we've spoken about in the show before, we don't have a lot of family in yeah. Sydney who can do that. So more often than not, it's probably going to be a stranger. But I think this is a good little baby step for us to go, okay, we can hand her over. From the moment Wolfie was born, he was in other people's arms. Right. And I think it was only, I think it was only the third day when we left him with someone, I think it was a midwife or maybe her mum, and we went out of the maternity ward and we're like, well, this is the first time that we're both not in the same room as him. Yeah. And my head is like, someone's going to swap it for someone else. <laughs> yeah. or, someone's going to take his DNA. And I was just fucking, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying because it's just the two of you. It's always been one of you next to her the mm. whole time, the whole time in the room for yeah. months and months and months and months and months. But- and you also feel like, well, I know them so intimately. Like I know all their quirks. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at one point during the workshop we could hear, I could hear her crying and the crying didn't stop. And so I went and it was just, I could tell it was the, I need to have a sleep cry. My sister didn't know that cry. So I was able to come in, settle her properly, do the little technique I do, the, uh, you know, the, the special, uh, the daddy's special rocking technique and got her out in like under two minutes. So it is <sighs> things like that though that you're like, oh, well, you know, well, how, what, what if we live with a stranger next time? It's like, well, it's fine. Maybe just show someone. Yeah. <laughs> that, that little technique, explain. Yeah. Like someone would explain to you. Hang on, wait a second. How did it feel to get her to sleep so quickly in front of your sister? Oh, that's the only thing I bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do much, Osh, but I can, <laughs> I can settle like a boss. Were you like, so I got this. Uncle Charlie's got this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a good settler. I think it's something about the sound of my heart or the yeah. just being held to that chest. It's your she, smell as well. Yeah. It's, it's your, your presence, yeah. your energy. Yeah, but it, I do think maybe it's different with Audrey. Not but to mention I, your massive pectoral muscles massive and pecs. your gorgeous, gorgeous arms. I know, but the massive pecs, I mean, if, I often think about this when I'm watching her breastfeed. It's like imagine lying on a giant bosom. How amazing that must feel. Incredible. Putting your head against a bosom that's like five times the size of you, that, that, that must be just amazing, right? Yeah, it must be. I don't think I ever got I to five times bigger than me, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so five times bigger than your head, I mean. No, no definitely not. Yeah, so I don't think a, a, a peck would feel quite as nice. It'd be like someone took your pillow and just stuffed it with rocks. When you hold her without a shirt on, does she have a go? Does she feel yes. like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny, actually. The reason I was running a bit late is she was due for a feed, but Jen was working uh, on a treatment, and so I was saying, Jam, look, I'm distracting her, but it's getting to go time. And yeah. she was like mouthing at my boob like yeah. uh, the alien. Yeah. <laughs> like I expected her to open a jaw and have a second jaw come out, <laughs> just latch under my nipple. Like a she, xenomorph coming out yeah. as your areola. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Wolfie, he likes to, when I hold him, he goes, because it's the the shape of my uh, bicep muscle as a some tiny amount of curvature. It's nowhere near Clawson's guns, but yeah. has a small amount of curvature, but it's enough that he goes, oh, I know this shape. Well, my favourite thing to do is um, I love to do a bit of an Eskimo kiss because she's got such round cheeks and I just love to get a little bit of Eskimo kiss. I'll just drag the nose across one cheek to the yeah. other. But she just thinks that's a nipple. Yeah. So I'm doing my Q 
cute little daddy Eskimo kiss and she's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just trying to latch onto the end of my nose. Yeah, Wolfie does that. So <laughs> now that you um, you had the, the test run with your sister, how yeah. do you feel about leaving Iona with other people? Yeah, well, I think it's good. I think we've broken, we've just taken that next step, which is like, okay, so we did it with a family member. I think it, we will have to, there'll need to be another bridging gap between stranger. Yeah. So maybe it'll have to be like a friend yeah. as opposed to a family member. And then I think we can go to like a fully vetted stranger. Oh, I don't know. For that yet. For me, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, we're talking about like daycare already, you know, because yeah. there will be a point where, you know, we'll both be uh, working and yes. we'll need to kind of put her into daycare. So luckily the area we live in, there are more daycare centres than there are pubs. It's a wash. It's a wash with <laughs> daycare centres. absolute they really are. I'm thinking that they're all fronts for life. It's like Breaking Bad. There can't be that many daycare centres, can there? It's like a car wash. Good place to launder money. Mate, I don't know. There's a lot of coin in daycare. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess in Sydney where two people have to work to afford anything. Yeah, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money in, in daycare. Wolfie had a triumphant leap forward in the last seven days and that he's now on solids. Charlie. All right. Which you begin, there's something. So hang on, and when did he start this? He started solids, it was actually while we were away. So in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah, he started Okay, because I'm just trying to think, because Iona's a month behind yeah, so Wolfie. At, at four months is when it's okay to start him, but about three weeks before that, it was my mother-in-law that spotted it. He does something with his mouth. I didn't see what they were talking about. He's but pointing he, at it. No, he, he moves his mouth in a certain way that's different from a drinking motion. Okay. It's a, like a, something to do with the tongue. Ah. He goes, oh, right, he's ready to eat solids. It's ready right now. He's masticating. Yes, precisely. But we waited another. But there on his on the four month day, we were up in Bribey Island. We went and got him vaccinated on the day, and then we gave him solids. And you start on a, a thing called farex. Not straight to a steak or anything. No, like that. no, no, no. Here's a pizza. It's, it's just it's like rice meal. It's just right. a paste basically. Or if you want to, you know, support the Nestle conglomerate, you can use Cerelac or something like that. I think it's called. Yeah, support a company that privatizes water. Precisely, <laughs> which we had to buy some of the other day because there was no farex in the store. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but it's like you got a hungry baby, whatever. Yeah. And so we, we, you mix up this paste and then Audrey, it's amazing because she's done this before with Georgia, right? She mixes up this paste. It looks kind of like clag if you remember that glue, that the safe glue that you're allowed to use as a kid. And eight. Yeah, yeah precise. Well, to make it a little more palatable, Audrey then opens a maternity bra. Ah, a little bit of milk. A couple of shots of milk in there. Yeah, right. Stir it up a bit to give it a bit of a bit of a flavour. And um, you'd think that what's a spoon to this child? Yeah. Fuck, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what this thing is, and yeah. now you want to put it in my mouth. Yeah. All right, all I've been putting in my mouth is your knuckle when you're pretending it's a nipple and a nipple. And That's occasionally it. to be your nose. It was incredible. He just took to it like a champ. Right. He, took he held to- the spoon and didn't quite, he's not quite feeding himself just yet, but. We started feeding him, and once he kind of got did the hang he, of it, did he reach for it though? Now he does. It's yeah. a couple of weeks now. Now he like he will grab the back of your hand and oh, push. <laughs> now he knows it's food time. Push the spoon and wow, your amazing. fist into his face. Right. We've got this human reaction inside us to like calories in. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. To the point where on the first day we fed him, he saw the spoon coming and lurched his body forward oh. and just like leapt out of where I was holding him. And just nailed it. Like, bang, just got it like a kookaburra with a worm. (laughs) Just boom, right onto it. But the thing they don't tell you about the solids, well, I was warned, but I didn't believe it, but it's true. 
it's the first different thing he's ever eaten. Oh, no. Yeah. So if you have only ever eaten steak yeah. and then you come to my house and I cook you a delicious lentil and eggplant dal that you've never tasted before and it's full of flavour and wonderful and, and delight, right, but your intestines right. have never seen right, this amount of fibre or this amount of fibre or legumes before, you know, suddenly your intestines... So that night he was like, what the fuck is this? Like yeah. he could feel the stuff. He was bothered, you know, because it wasn't liquid, you know, it was something yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. And the poo that he did was like, it was a. Well done. Right. It was extraordinary. Was it solid, semi-solid? Mostly, yeah. yeah. But the smell of it was like, yep, okay, something else is happening here. Oh, like no, worse. His, his microbiome. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, you know how oh, breast, breast milk poo is like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I can handle sour. that. Sour. Yeah, that's sour. That's fine. Sour, that's it. Yeah. But again, this is where having dogs comes in real handy. Yeah. I have picked, picked up. up and cleaned up. Every single kind of shit on a scale from absolute liquid to how the fuck did that pass through your body? It's so hard I could break a window with it. Yeah. In public with my bare hands sometimes. Yeah. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. I have faked picking up poo but not touched it. <laughs> yeah. I, to, to avoid guilt, I've pretended like I'm picking up my dog's poo but uh, not really because yeah. I'm not touching that. Uh, look, it's happened. Okay. So that training there means that, okay, Remind What's me it? never to shake your hand whatever's, after you've come back from the park. Whatever's in this nappy, I can handle. It's going to be all right. I saw it going in. I know it's coming out. But, yeah, it's So that's what I've got to look forward to because yeah. Iona is getting food curious. Right. That's why I was asking about the timing of it because she yeah. is when she watches us eat, she's fascinated and she's. Right. you can see that she has, there's an instinctive thing going on now where she's drawn wolf-like to those calories. You can uh-huh. see her being drawn. I was, eating, I was eating a delicious lentil soup. Delicious. The other day and uh, she was very, very curious yeah. about it. You could see that she just wanted, she was, wanted to know what we're putting in our mouth but mm. also there was some kind of deeply instinctive yeah, thing yeah. going on so she'll be uh, yeah in two weeks she'll probably be uh, yeah yeah well in two weeks i'll be dealing with shit literally yeah, yeah it's fine it's stewed apples next on the list so oh, the, the, nice. the, i think the the rice meal is just to get their mouths used to not a liquid like something a little more solid like a thick paste i always think of robocop when i think of baby food <laughs> you know like when they make Robocop and they're like, what do you feed him? It's like, it's baby food. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. So, Wolfie's serving the public trust, protecting the innocent, yes, upholding and, the law. And then he cries is basically what he's saying when he wails is you have 10 seconds to comply. That's <laughs> so basically, basically what, he's, what he's saying. It's, I talked to my brother actually when I was down in Melbourne and he was asking about all the nappy change thing and he was like, how are you going with that? And I was like, it's fine. I actually quite enjoy it. I get a lot of pride when yeah. she does a, a particularly big poo. And he was like, oh, you're so lucky he's gone. I would gag every single time. Really? He said, I didn't realise. He said there was something about it. He has two kids and he said both times it was the most heart-wrenching, stomach-churning experience wow. for him. There's something about the smell of it that just made him really ill. He'd still do it. Yeah. But it was like it was just like hell on earth, the worst experience wow. ever. This again, I'm just so lucky that I've had dogs. Yes. And I've just had to get over Poo-phobia. just picking up poo three times a day. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> Fine. It's not very runny today. I'm going to grab some grass from this lawn. I'm going to throw it on here, trying to thicken it up a bit so I can get a purchase on it with this bag. And I'm going to, and then anything you find at a nappy's got, especially when there's like bits of Lego and whatever else, and the dogs <laughs> eating. You know, it's fucking whatever. Whatever.
Charlie, to get someone on the phone this week, our special guest, uh, Super Dad, has uh, he's known to Australian audiences. Uh, he's an ex-NRL player. He's made his fame on the footy show more recently on The Amazing Race on Channel 10. He's an extraordinary man. He's got two kids of his own. Charlie Clawson, please meet Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan, Charlie Clawson. Hello. How are you, my man? Good. Getting some sleep, which is a good thing. Sleep? Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how old are your kids now, Bo? My daughter just turned seven last week. And my son is two and a half. Right. So we might be asking you to cast your mind back a bit, but Charlie was talking about the first time that he had to leave his daughter, Iona, with someone else. Do you remember the the first time you did that with your eldest? Yeah. My, parenting's changed a lot for me, man. My first, my daughter, I mean, I, I remember, I think I told you this last time, I, was, I used to check if she was breathing every two seconds. <laughs> Now I get videos of my son trying to escape out the front door with the keys and a chair. So he sort of just turn a blind eye to everything he does. Don't tell docs. But I remember my daughter, obviously you're very protective of your kids and especially my girl, but I had separation anxiety. We left her with my family and we went away overseas, my wife and I on a holiday. And we went over to, I was going through Asia and I remember FaceTiming her and after, we were only away for seven days, but I remember after about three days, it was probably the worst I've ever felt. It just sort of felt, I don't know, I felt like a shit bag. She was okay. She was very, my, my, my mum and dad told me that she was very quiet, which made it really hard for me because she's, she is quiet, but she still can, you know, hold a good conversation and she, she can still have fun. But she was only little, but she was struggling and that, that was really hard for me, man. So my mum and dad were good with it because they've been quite hands-on because I'm very busy and they help out a lot, but... I remember it clearly the first FaceTime when I just could see in her eyes that she wanted us home. But do you think you or your partner was more concerned about uh, leaving your daughter at home? Was it, was, it, was it your equal standing or did one feel it worse than the other? But probably me, to be honest, because it's harder for me because I, I guess my wife, and this is probably selfish for me, she gets to spend a lot of time with her um, when she was a mum being at home and obviously while I was away at work and spent a lot of time yeah, working and on the road, I felt guilty that I hadn't spent that time with her, whereas my wife sort of needed time away because, you know, mm. sleep deprivation and all that and just being a full-on mum, which is super, super hard. So probably me. With our son, it's probably the same thing. I'm away now for work. I'm interstate and my wife, I just, all I want to do is get back and see my family and all she wants to do is throw my son out the window. So it's funny. <laughs> we love him to death, but he's just on a different gear, man. He's on a different channel. Um, I've no idea where he gets it from. <laughs> but, um, yeah, probably me, man, but purely for the reason that my wife is at home all the time with them. Yeah. When it came time to a babysitter, though, Bo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. What kind of vetting process did you do? Did you, did it, was there a pre meeting? Was there a meeting for coffee away from home? What was it? Well, we had a, young, we had a younger one, uh, and I'm talking like 16 year old girl, when we were just in the day, if we'd go to a lunch or if we'd go early night, like a early dinner, like I'm an early riser and I go to bed early. So we would go to dinner at like 5.35. Yes. So we'd had a younger girl who lived up the road and her dad. And she was great. She was in awe of our daughter and she was in awe of us. And it was great. As we got, as um, we moved from around Sydney, we, we used different babysitters. And as we went through the process, when we actually had to use an independent one, we used a sister of a friend who was a nanny or a babysitter. That was, my wife was really good, man. She was like, she grilled her a bit, if I'm going to be honest with you. Mm. She was interrogated her a bit. What kind of questions? 
Well, I was quite blase, man. I was like, I sort of, I don't know, I just sort of trust people. Like, I'm just like, yeah, it's all good. It's going to be good. As long as it's not a guy, um, I'm okay with it. She just pulls out the polygraph machine, just sits there down, just holds the lamp yeah, yeah. right in her face. Real interrogation. Yeah, as long as it's not someone affiliated with ISIS, man, I was cool. <laughs> yeah, we had this girl, and it was, it was strange at first, but after we saw my daughter, the fun she had, and that's all you're worried about, man. You're just worried, you're worried about the connection between them and if they're okay. And after the first time, it was sweet. But the first time we were away, it was, it was hard. But after we realized she had fun, no, nah, we were good, man. I reckon my concern, and this is probably down the track with getting a babysitter, is that I'd hire a babysitter who was like I was when I was a babysitter. Because I know when yeah. I did my babysitting, the first thing I do is raid the fridge, see if there's any alcohol left around that maybe I could stick in my school bag, hide under my, yeah. hide under my maths book. So as long as I don't meet a younger version of me, I'd be all right. Yeah, opposite of me, man. I'd be checking under the bed, under the people's beds, their top drawer, bottom drawer. You know, you know the drill, man. That's where all the good stuff is. <laughs> so it's been a big week here for us, Bo, in that Wolfgang has progressed to solids. And the thing that I wasn't expecting with uh, – we're just starting on the kind of pasty, you know, kind of rice meal, farrack stuff. Yep. The boy is, A, mad for it, but, B – if I thought that the breast milk poos were one thing, <laughs> holy oh, yeah. moly. Yeah, I remember, see, my son's a bit older now. He just ate anything that moves. But my daughter, she was very picky at first. My son, is a, he's a bottle kid, man. He loves, like, he eats food, but he, he loves his bottle as well. He's still on the milk. He's probably not meant to be, but that's just, that's our thing. Like I said to you, last time we talked, Josh, everyone's got their own techniques, their own style, their own food, and I respect that. Having walked it with my daughter, and we do our own thing, man. Our routines are different. Um, my lifestyle's different. So our kids are completely different in how they've been brought up in terms of from a baby to two or three. But my daughter, I remember my daughter's, she was a fiend for the, the what is it, Farex? Farex? Yeah, she was loving it. That's it. But my son got onto food early. I don't know what happened. He was on the milk, and then he got onto food early. He was, he was eating everything, but now he's just... It feels like he's taking a few backward steps. So he's on the milk. So, man, he's, he drinks a lot of milk and a lot of, like, little food. So he's got, like, rabbit shit. <laughs> it's really hard. And it, they meant to they meant to say it's dehydrated. He drinks water. I don't know if it's just him. But the other day, for example, actually, it was about a month ago, we could smell something in my bedroom. And I was like, I don't know if we've got a nappy or a wipe or something in my bedroom. And because when you're at home, everything smells the same. But if you've been away and come back, it hits you straight away. And my wife, the next day, I was at work, she sends me a photo and it looked like a rabbit had taken a shit in the corner. <laughs> so I don't know if he pulled it out and just sort of threw it down the corner like a marble. But, mate, I don't know how long it was there, but she said it was rock hard. And that, that probably makes it easier for us to clean. So yeah. we're just going to keep doing that until he's about 40. <laughs> <laughs> That or there's an infestation of rabbits at the Ryan house. That's right. Bo Ryan, thank you so much. You're the busiest man in television. It's great to talk to you. Um, thank you so much for your time, man. No worries. Thanks, man. I'll speak to you on your next. What else? You got other podcasts going? How many podcasts you got? Just trying as many as possible, mate. Trying to get. No, I just bought a house. I got a mortgage to pay. Oh, yeah. Mortgage never again. Never heard of it. All right. I'll speak to you guys soon. And uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. All right. <laughs> See you, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, boys. If you do want to send us an email or ask any advice, we always appreciate advice here because we know nothing. Askdadpod at gmail.com. Charlie, this one came in from Darren. He heard the episode you talked about baby Panadol and always having baby Panadol on point so you, you don't have to end up in the emergency room. Darren wrote, quick tip with the baby Panadol. Both of our kids hated it and would throw up Ooh. pretty much every time. 
you can ask for Dimadon at the chemist, zero issues. Really? Yeah. So I guess it's the same, same, but different yeah, okay. situation. Like as far as bringing a fever down or dealing with teething pain. Okay. Are you getting into teething pain at this point? Are you, are you getting there? Not yet. No, she's starting, just starting to chew toy. The dribble? Is yeah, the dribble yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah, but she's not not in pain yet. Right. So it's, it's, it's so keep keep that there. And another one came in and I, I love your thoughts on this, particularly as a, as a dad with no family in the city. Uh, this is from Oliver. I've been listening to both of your respective podcasts for years. Nice to have one with both of you together. I'm 22. I don't intend to have kids probably for another 10 years. Don't wait that long, mate. Trust me. I'm about to have a hip replacement. You don't want to be fucking chasing around these little things when you're an old man. But uh, one of my slightly older friends has just had their first somewhat unexpected baby recently. I'm trying to understand this world. My main question is, what can I as a friend do to help a friend going through this for the first time? I imagine both of you have been on this side a number of times, so I wonder what insights you have now that you've seen mm. the other side of the coin. Anything from how to stay in touch, now I've got a second full-time job, good on you for understanding it's that intense, to the little things a friend can do to make things a little bit easier would be great to hear. Sending our love from New Zealand oh. for all those affected by the horrific bushfires. Thank you, Oliver. What would advice would be? I mean, I guess the one thing is just some people assume when you have a kid that you uh, have disappeared off the face of the earth. Yes. <laughs> so maintain contact. Even if you just pop around to visit, they may not be able to come out and meet you anywhere, but just drop in and mm. see them. And I think when the baby is past, uh, what, so six weeks, eight weeks is when they get all the, sh- the first uh, round of shots. Weeks, six weeks, first round of shots. Why don't you organise something in a family-friendly place? That's yeah. what our friends did, which was great. There is a place down the road from where Osh and I live, which is great for family get-togethers. Like, it's a big restaurant, but there's, like, a kid's area, easy to access, no stress. So that's probably the best thing I'd say if you want to be, like, in terms of a, a social friend. Otherwise, just check in on them from time to time. I totally agree with what Charlie just said. Oliver, again, good on you for recognising that it is a second full-time job. I would say on that, give people the benefit of, you know, maybe not having to respond to text messages straight away. You know, if, yes. if you text them, they don't write you back. Yeah, give assume them, they're busy. Give them a day, you know. The, the other thing I would say, what Charlie was saying, what's just the most helpful thing that anyone can do for us right now, just come over to the house and just watch the baby. Yes. Let me have a shower. Watch the baby. Exactly. That's it. It's like I just want to take a shit without having to balance a baby on one knee. Yeah. Or exactly. Uh, I just need to go put a laundry on or whatever it is. Just come around and watch the baby. It doesn't take long, even an hour. Yeah. Just taking an hour to come over and just hang out so you can get stuff around the house done. Yeah. So, so, so helpful. You don't even have to buy anything. Yeah. You just show well, up. Another thing. You don't have to bring a gift. Like no. we've been given so many gifts and that's great and it's so wonderful and stuff. But what you got to remember is like the parents have probably covered off most things. Yeah. And it is good, but baby stuff, it has an expiry, a very short expiry date. Yeah. And so what you're essentially giving them is landfill. Yeah. You should have seen the pile of cancel cleanup I put out this morning. Oh, satisfying. God, I was and had the headphones on, listening to my Blind Boy podcast. I just, it was massive. <laughs> so, and this morning as I slept and I could hear them going, I was like, oh, yeah, take it all away. It was great. So, yeah, send us an email, askdadpod at gmail.com. Gosh, before we go, we should induct someone into the Dadpod Hall of Fame. And I thought, considering we've both been travelling recently and my experiences, we should induct Clark Griswold. God. Into the Dad Hall of Fame. How is he not there already? The father of Rusty and Audrey, a man who is so committed to his family's holidays, he will take a security guard hostage and take yep. him to Disneyland for the National Lampoon's vacation and all the subsequent sequels. If you've never seen those films, ignore the remake with Ed Helms. It was not very good. Don't Goes go straight to the original. 
The first one, Chevy Chase, Lindsay Beverly Buckingham's D'Angelo. Holiday Road is yes. the theme song. Christy Brinkley, Christy Brinkley, driving a Ferrari, pre Billy Joel, Christy Brinkley. But it gets it all right. Like uh, the thing Osh was saying about sending the kids off to find a, a loose trolley, that is Clark Griswold. What I've realised now, <laughs> being a dad and taking my kid on holiday, is we're all really Clark Griswold deep down, aren't we? We really, really are. I remember seeing those first two as a double feature with oh, my right. dad, vacation and then European vacation. I saw it as I think a it's going to pork her, Dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rusty, maybe he's going to pork her. And I remember sitting next to my father watching that. He took us out on a Saturday. It was on like on an access weekend because he yeah. was living out of the house by then. I remember my dad laughing so hard during bits that I did not see why it was funny mm. then. So I should probably go back now yeah. and re-watch both of the original and European Vacation and just see what my dad was like because he's sitting in front of his 11 and 13-year-old son. I think the word is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you'll find. Yeah. I just remember my dad laughing so hard his eyes were watering and I was like, why, Dad? Why is that a funny thing? Yeah. So I'm going to have to go back there, but I couldn't agree with you more. You'll punch a moose in the face. You love your family that much. Clark Griswold, Dad, Dad Pod, Pod salutes you. Cracking episode, Charlie. Thank you so much for making it over today. Thanks, um, Bo Ryan. Thank you, Bo Ryan. We'll talk to you next week. If you need anything, askdadpod at gmail.com or we're on Instagram, dadpodgram. Until next week, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>